right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick. And joining me this week again is none other than Mr. International, Alistair Kirschpool, AKP. Have you have you fully adjusted coming back to the East Coast time zone? Oh yeah, yeah. It only took me a few days. I'm a I'm a like power through it sort of um, guy as as far as as jet lag goes. You know, just stay up really late. You know, just don't sleep on the plane. Stay up late, end up exhausted for a couple of days, and then and then you know I'm back on track now. So good to hear. That's good to hear. It's uh, well, it's obviously Thanksgiving week, so we've got a little Thanksgiving theme here at the end for our closing thoughts. But AKP. You just had a big travel. Any any travel plans this week? Nope. Staying at home. It's one of those things where I'm from Michigan originally, and that's where that's where my family is. And we tend to get together for, for Christmas time, Christmas, New Year's, go over there for a few weeks. But Thanksgiving's just a little too close to Christmas to, like, I'm not going to go out there, come back, and then go out there again. So, yep, I'm staying home. Well, I'll be watching on social to make sure you post any pictures of the turducken that you're going to make. And I fully expect you to make a turducken. So now that I've committed you to it, you have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) What about all of the nice, expensive beef I bought that I'm going to make? Oh, you need to send some to me. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll have to have you over at some point. We'll have a we'll have a a second Thanksgiving or something. I don't know. Find a holiday to celebrate. You don't need to. I don't need any holiday to celebrate eating some some of this Japanese beef that you're bringing back. I'll just hop the red line and come on up there. <laughs> anyway, all right, AKP. We'll touch on Thanksgiving here in just a second. But of course, we start every episode with Old Glory DC news. And for once, right before we started uh, to record here, Old Glory DC released some player news, as opposed to typically releasing player news after we recorded, but. They have announced the re-signing of local product, John Rizzo, in the sense that he played for the Washington Irish. Um, played a lot of minutes on the wing. AKP, your thoughts on Johnny Rizzo? Yeah, cool to have him back. He's one of those those cool players that, that really sort of has come up through Old Glory. He was identified by Old Glory and brought into the team. You know, there's 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 a lot of players that we sign and they really developed elsewhere, but, but he, you know, he's one we can really claim as being old glory through and through and a cool example of the, the pathway from Washington Irish to old glory, which is now formalized into something official, although it wasn't when, when we got Rizzo. Yeah. Exciting young prospect on the wing. He, you know, has a lot of flair, a lot of pizzazz and, um, I think it's it's exciting to to see him out there and and hopefully he'll hopefully he'll be able to get some time out there and I think he will but you know with all of the we've signed a lot of good experienced wingers this year so yeah. it could be tough for him. Da- Damian Hoyland, right? Axel Mueller. I mean, like some big yeah. internationals from Scotland and and Argentina, and now you've got John Rizzo. I mean, he's certainly going to fight for minutes, and he's probably. I can imagine he's a competitor. Just the way he runs, he's going to be chomping at the bit to get on the field more. So I think that's going to raise his game up a bit more. It has to absolutely. Right? So. Well, and that's you know that's sort of the whole premise of of MLR in in a way is. Um, 
give these give these guys a, a chance to compete and he's he's going to be on the roster he's got the advantage of being a domestic player and so especially all those foreign signings he's he's not having to compete with them for a foreign slot which gives them an advantage and this is this is a chance for him to improve his game for him to sort of prove that he can reach the next level and be become a player who can challenge those those great foreign signings for time on the field yeah quick uh quick uh, I, I agree a quick side note i don't know if you saw this but uh young glory i think they announced a, a training squad for a couple of players and there was one player in particular that i noticed on there was playing for the washington iris he was drafted by old glory i want to say was it last season alex Baladeras? um yeah he's on that training squad so it's good to see his name pop up stool's part of the organization and stool um playing right somewhere um, so, you know, I, I yeah. don't know if you got any thoughts on that, but that, that, um, that training squad is pretty neat. It showed it, you know, where the, the players were coming from. A lot of it's from colleges. I think Mount St. Mary's was on there represented pretty well. There was a player from American university, my alma mater. That was cool to see. But, um, anyway, I just had to point out that I think Alex Valadares is a draft pick from a couple of years ago is on that training squad. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he didn't get any minutes in in twenty twenty three, uh, despite being signed to the team, and he's one of those guys who I assume was drafted to prevent him from getting nabbed by anyone else, or as, as a reward for because he's been part of the Young Glory program for a while, and so it's it's exactly what you want to see from from Old Glory, you know, taking these younger players and like, yeah, you might not be able to get them in minutes in the MLR yet they might not be at that level yet but getting them time somewhere getting them a chance to play and um yeah there were a number of names on that that squad who I'm I'm keeping an eye on for the future I mean you look at one of them Hayden McKay who was he played with the the U20s when they took their tour to South America recently he's he's someone who and he did he did pretty well in in that tour so he's he's a potential future player for Old Glory to keep an eye on. Absolutely, and, and talking about other players who who played age grade for the U.S. and Canada, we've got to bring up the signing of Logan Widener Lock. I think he's six six. What's interesting about this guy is again, as you mentioned, age grade for Canada and the U.S. We so played both. He signed a three year deal to come play for yeah. Old Glory DC, which is a big commitment. Which you got to think that um you know the men's eagles uh you know scott lawrence and crew are keeping tabs on him but uh hey man what do you think of that signing what do you know what do we know about this logan guy yeah he he this seems like a a pretty big deal signing in sort of the opposite way to the way to all the big signings we've seen recently with the international stars coming over he's a young guy tall can't teach height and yeah, he, as he said, represented both Canada and the U.S. He grew up in Canada. He's from British Columbia originally, I think. The Canadians don't seem to have really done anything with him or given given him a, a path up to the, the senior squad. So Brian Ray at America's Rugby News was sort of pointing out that this is probably him committing to the U.S. and, and seriously pursuing playing for the Eagles. Out of high school, he he went to France, signed with Brieve, their academy. He um, also played for Narbonne over there. 
and yeah, he seems like a really promising prospect and he's got a really good chance at the Eagles, I think, because there aren't that many young blocks coming up through the, the USA system. There's a lot of, I mean, you just had the retirement of what's his name from New York. Who, Nate Brakely. Yeah. Nate Brakely, who, who's been there forever. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, Chivetta also retired. Yeah. And yet Cam Dolan, who was the eight man who switched to lock and he's probably, yeah, you know, he's in he's... his thirties already. You've got yeah. Greg Peterson who plays overseas yeah. and is still, you know, still probably the first choice if you're, if you're making a squad for today, but yeah. is he going to be around for the next world cup? Who knows? So there's, you know, locks and there's no obvious replacements. So, you know, um, Logan, Widener really comes in as a. You got you got you got Sala, but you know I think. Yeah. 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 But you're going to need at least. Yeah. I mean, you look realistically for the the USA going forward. They're going to need at least three locks. Um, yeah. You know. You know, so you're going to need like two locks, and then you can have um, Sam Gala as a sort of like lock back row cover. You know, can't play both, and Cam Dolan's going to stick around probably for a little bit here. Um, he seems to to be enjoying playing still. So, yeah. but you know, going forward, we're going to need to find a few locks somewhere, and it's there's a good chance that Widener could could be one of those guys. Well, I'm excited for it. Um, again, as you said, kind of stockpiling for the future for Oklahoma again for the men's Eagles. So, sounds like a great signing to steal them away from Canada, and you just wonder yeah. what the heck is going on in Canada that they either overlooked him or don't see a future in him and maybe they've got the position locked down part in the poor pun but <laughs> you know they did just jump up two spots i guess yeah. the 21st i don't know how that happened but uh, anyway um yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. canada seems to be in a a bad place right now they just yeah but good for us and I, I really like that we've got him on a three-year deal. I mean, it's I think that's a commitment from Old Glory to to sort of see it through that they want him to to play here. And you know, maybe he gets picked up by the Eagles, maybe he doesn't. But like, we're we're going to see him through that journey. I think, and yeah. that that's really cool. I wish there were more multi-year deals in Major League Rugby in general. I would I think it would help in part just for the sake of the, the fans. Like, it would be good for the players, I think, to to have some stability and security knowing where they're going to play, even if mostly they all come back anyway. You know, most of them are functionally on multi-year deals, even if they're not officially. But I also think it would help for the fans to just be able to be certain that these, these players are coming back, and especially young players, because, you know, there's a lot of players who who get signed to the draft and then don't, don't return, you know, or show up, play, uh, play a bunch of games, and then disappear. And you like, it's hard to get really invested in the in the development of these players if you don't even know if they're going to be around for the next year or for the next several years. Well, I keep being, I know what will be around for MLR in 2024 because the league finally came around to kind of giving us an update. At least we know what the 2024 season is going to look like in terms of the regular season and the postseason format. So I think the biggest thing is there's going to be three divisions now, which I think was teased already. We heard a little bit about it from from America's Rugby News and from um, uh, Lizard Rugby, right, the, the GM there. 
uh, if you follow them on Twitter, um, that we had an inkling that this was going to happen. So MLR confirmed it. We've got three divisions, West, Central, East, Oglory, D.C., staying in the Eastern Conference with Toronto, New England, New York, and Miami. I'll go through this real quickly. Central, Chicago, Dallas, Nola Golden, Houston, and then the West, San Diego, Seattle, Utah. And, oh, check this out. Confirmation that it looks like we will have an L.A. team. Los Angeles rugby with a placeholder name and a placeholder logo, but that placeholder name and placeholder logo are far better than anything, you know, Gil related. Although I did like the LA Guiltinis because I thought they were some, you know, you got to have some pizzazz in LA to break through that market. Um, but to me, that confirms that an LA team is going to happen, which is good. Schedule TBD, we anticipate it's going to be coming out here any day. But AKP, real quickly, your thoughts on the how the divisions stack up before we jump on over and talk postseason play format. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Three divisions is is an interesting setup. And it's one of those where I think I think they expect to add a couple of teams in the coming year or two and don't expect expect to get beyond that. Because it's I mean 13 teams is just awkward. There's no good way to do it. You can't do it's a prime number. Can't can't make even conferences out of that. Drop the math terms here on a rugby podcast. I like it. <laughs> if they if they so if they wanted to if they wanted to balance things out, that, that wouldn't really be possible. And if they want to keep divisions, you can't balance it out. So three divisions seems as good as any. And then but you know, if they add a couple of teams, they bring it up to fifteen, then you have three divisions, five teams each. That that seems pretty much perfect. And then we'll get into the what the postseason looks like because obviously having an odd number of divisions also means that you get an interesting that has an interesting effect on the on the postseason because you can't just take the top of the the divisions to to go through. Yeah. Couple couple of thoughts. I agree with what you're saying. A couple of thoughts on the division. And I actually I actually kind of like it and I think it's a play to the future and to your point about expansion. I think realistically, so they're at 13. If you can get to 16 teams, I could see four divisions of four teams, and you hold yeah. steady with that. You build that up. And then if you want to get to 20, you you know, you could still add to that and still have, what, four divisions with five teams? Again, that's down the line. But I think the, the division, I think ultimately we end up somewhere at four when there's balance, right? We've got a, a quote-unquote – Eastern Conference, uh, a Western Conference, and then the divisions that funnel underneath. But the way the current format works now, I think how they divided the teams up makes sense, right? I think that may help on some travel costs, but I think it largely keeps some divisional and geographic or regional rivalries intact. You know, DC is going to obviously stay in Eastern Conference and not much changes there. The addition to Miami makes uh, complete sense, right? You know, particularly if you feel like a lot of fans, followers, you know, quasi are coming from an NFL standpoint, you know, the divisions make sense. Central, Dallas, New Orleans, Houston, Chicago, obviously with Chicago and Dallas being new newer teams, there's not a lot of robberies that are happening there, but I think it can happen just by playing each other, those two teams twice. And if you look at the West, yeah. I mean, the West is stacked, you know, and, and you keep that fun San Diego, Seattle rivalry together. Obviously, L.A. on the West Coast makes sense. And 
Utah, you have to slot them in there. You know, the West is going to be stacked, right? So I think how they divided up the divisions, I think it makes sense. And I think it's a play for future expansion. If you get to 16 teams again, you split up four, I think, you know, you can build off of that. It makes a lot of sense to me, in my mind. Yeah. I mean, one thing that does have to be said is uh, the that central division is looking relatively weak compared to the uh, the east and the, and the west. I mean, you look at the the west, you've got you've got Seattle and San Diego, two of the best teams last year. Utah, one of the only other teams to have a you know they went ten and six last year, I think. So quality squad there, and like LA, we don't know yet. But then you. You look at the East. You've got the the um, the ex champions in um, New England. You've got the two playoff teams in New yeah. York and OGDC. So um, Miami potentially very strong. Look looks good on paper. Um, it's really only Toronto that's that looks weak in in the East. And then you get to the Central. You've got like Chicago who won like three games. Dallas who won three games. Um, and no goal. Nola, yeah. Who had, had some problems but but struggled to really get anything going. And it's really only Houston there that that had a good season last year. So good for Houston, I guess. I mean, that's why you play the game, right? Any, anything can happen any given Saturday, any given Sunday, whatever. But yeah, I agree. If you're Houston, you have to like the how things are breaking shaping up right now. They were a strong team last year and much improved. I think all the sides have have some have seen some improvement, but we'll see, right? Um, we'll see. I think the I think the East is definitely going to be, and it's always going to be a, a, a dog fight. I just I don't envision, even though New England, you know, former champs, current champs, I guess, um, I don't see them running away with the East this year because I think the other teams are just going to uh, be much in, improved. But we'll see. But I want to move on because I want to talk a little bit. Of, you know, we can skip the you know the regular season format. Yeah, each team plays every other team least once. Each team plays every other team in their division twice. And there's a couple other things. 16 game season. Teams will play eight home, eight away. Yeah, yeah. Postseason format. This is kind of interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. it's now the moved. Controversy. Yeah, controversy. But you know, I like it, right? And we'll get into this in a second. So eight teams now are going to make the postseason. So each division winner, and they'll be seeded one, two, or three um, based on overall table standings. And then four, five, six, seven, and eight will be based on overall league standings. So the playoffs have expanded, what, by two more teams? Um, Which, you know, you can look at the records last year and be like, oh, that means there's going to be teams in there that, you know, are going to have a less than 500 record. And I get it. But if we can keep the teams playing more meaningful games and we can keep fans coming out to more meaningful games. I think that's a plus across the board. I, I, I don't really have an issue with a potentially a one against an eight where it's lopsided. What if the eight pulls off an upset? You know what I mean? Like you can yeah. get hot at the right time. I think it helps teams, you know, if you come out of the gate real slowly and then have a stretch where you're starting to pull it together and you're competitive, all that, and you're building at the right time. Like look at a team like Utah. Utah should have probably made the playoffs last year, and they didn't because they Absolutely. were in stacked Western Conference. Can you imagine if in this format they're in the playoffs and then they make a little run because they were coming on hot because no one wanted to face them? Like, that's what you want. Yeah. You want that excitement. So for anyone poo-pooing it, I, I, I just I disagree. 
I like expanding it to eight. Gets more teams involved, a little more exciting, more games, more sellable assets, opportunity for the clubs to make a little more money. In my mind, the pluses outweigh the minus of a team that doesn't deserve to be there. I'm kicking it back yeah. to you, AKP. Your thoughts? I I totally agree. I'm I'm always for including more teams rather than less in almost everything. I mean, we talked a lot about it with the World Cup, how including more teams including the tier two like that's what makes it fun like you think about march madness there are people like would you want to take march madness and say ah too many bad teams get in we want to cut it down to like 16 teams skip just skip all of that and cut to the the sweet 16 it's like no those early rounds are so much fun they're what make it madness they're they're the the exciting bit where you get to see you know yeah, there's not a lot of a chance of an upset, but there's a chance. And especially in something like MLR, these teams are not that far apart. I mean, you look at last year, yes, the uh, New England managed only lost like one or two games or whatever it was. But like, these teams are not that far apart. And every year you you get teams that are, are going to be able to do things. We weren't supposed to beat New York last year in the playoffs, but we did, you know came in with a losing record but we won our playoff game and like you know you can talk about well have they earned it have they and it's just like yes they have that's the format you have and it's i think it's i think it's more fun for fans i think it's it's better for teams i also in general i think it's good to have a more inclusive uh playoff structure i think you know because if you're a, a team let's say your team doesn't do well and you're like, okay, well, you know, you're it's a disaster. You win like one game. Okay. You're building for next year. You know, you're not gonna be if you're Toronto last year, not you're not gonna be saying, Oh, well, we'll win the whole thing next year. But what you could say is we have a chance of making the playoffs. We could do that. That's an achievable goal. And suddenly there's hope for the next year. It's not like, oh, we are years off of ever doing anything consequential. If it's only the top, like couple of teams that get into the playoffs then it's like okay well are we realistically ever going to make the playoffs and i think i think giving at the beginning of the year every fan base having hope that their team can make the playoffs is really really important mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. Right? so like yeah 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 <laughs> <Be great. laughs> and the other thing i i, I kind of hear the gripe of you know, some fans, uh, particularly Free Jack fans, are saying, oh, you know, the one and two now, they're going to miss out on their, assuming that they're, they, they already have an assumption that they're going to already earn the one or two, right? That they're going to um, not have um, a bye week. But if you look at how the schedule is going to shake out this year because of the way that the season is going to be shifted into March and then extended into July and August, there's already going to be that kind of two-week break, which we still don't have quite, we have an idea of where it's going to be. But there's going to be a pause for all of the teams in the playoffs because of what's happening in that July-August uh, window, right? The July International window and then August with the Pacific Nations Cup. So there's going to be a break. Everyone's already going to have some kind of break. So the the gripe of, oh, we're not going to have um, a buy because, you know, the one and two earned it last year. I, I just don't think that holds any water right now because of how the, the, the season has, has shifted. Um, again, we want all the teams to be as healthy and as rested as possible so the playoff matches are far exciting far more exciting so you know i it's maybe not the the perfect 
way to do it, but how else can you really form, format it? You know what I mean? With everything that's so yeah. crazy that's going on with the domestic game and issues of the world rugby and, you know, Pacific nations and like, you know, the, everything else that's going on. I, I gotta say, I'm, 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 I'm supportive of what MLR is doing and I've been critical of some decisions they've made in the past, but I think this, I think they've done a pretty good job on this weighing all the thoughts and I applaud them because I know it's not easy because it is so easy to just attack and criticize and gripe and, and tear something down. Come on. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's exciting. So now all we're waiting for now is just the, the actual schedule. And all we're just waiting for is the official team name and logo for the Los Angeles rugby team. We, I guess we'll I assume find out those soon. will correlate. I assume those are going to go together that you'll, I mean, they're going to release. I can't imagine they release the ske- schedule with placeholder LA stuff, or if they do, it'll only be very, very briefly. Like LA's got to get their stuff out soon and they've got to get yeah. the schedule out soon. I agree. And I, I kind of want Los Angeles rugby, whatever the team is, to have their a couple of days where they can announce who they are, their branding before we get into the season schedule. Like, I don't want the season schedule to, to bury this news about Los Angeles rugby. Like, I want them to have a couple of days to, to shine so people know who they are. And you know, we, we know who the team owners are. It's Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv Heat folks. We know some of that stuff. We know some players that are coming over. We're not quite certain all of the players. We're not quite certain who the coaching staff is. They all come from Atlanta. So I'd like for them to be able to come out and say, hey, this is who we are before MLR comes with the season schedule. Just my thoughts on that. But, you know, I guess I guess we will wait and see. AKP, if you had to guess on when we're going to know on this, do you think it's – is this a pre-Thanksgiving? Like, so, like, any minute now as we're recording, I'm checking social, is this going to be the post-Thanksgiving? I, I would love for it to be pre-Thanksgiving or even on Thanksgiving, yeah. honestly. I I like the idea. I mean, they're a sports league. This is entertainment. Everyone is definitely going to be checking social media and, and looking at things during during the holiday. If, if nothing else, they may need to break from family for a moment. Um, and I think MLR should lean into that release schedule now and get people hyped. But, you know, who knows, honestly. I expect we'll see a schedule before the season starts. And beyond that, I'm really not. <laughs> I wouldn't commit to anything. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, not fun. <laughs> a lot of news, but that's, that's a pretty funny way to end that. AKP, uh, as we look to the latter half of this episode, uh, some fun stuff to talk about here with the men's Eagles. How about that performance against Spain in the final of the Villa International Rugby Cup? They beat Spain 42 to 12. And I know we talked before the game about, you know, what are the expectations going into it? Um, I got to say, I was uh, surprised by the game, surprised at how well the men's Eagles played and surprised that it was 42 to 12. I mean, the game... It was close in the in the first half, but the, the men's Eagles really put it on in the second and opened it up a bit more. And uh, I don't know, man, what were your thoughts uh, overall just on that <laughs> beating Spain like that? Yeah, incredibly great way to to end the the year for the Eagles. I mean, that's one of those that before the match, I was thinking I just want us to be competitive with Spain because that's one of those like you look at the World Rugby rankings and it it felt it's felt 
for like the past couple of years, like we've really been underachieving our ranking. Like we haven't, we've been losing to teams lower than us. We've been, been sinking steadily in, in the rankings going down. So it was like, I just want to, and Spain at the beginning of this match, we were basically neck and neck with Spain in the rankings. And so it was like, if we were at least competitive, then that means we're not going down further. We're not like underachieving our potential as a team um, or underachieving our, our ranking. And, and then we beat them and beat them fairly decisively. And now we're going back up in the ranking. And I think, I think that's, that's great that it's a great sign that, and you never want to read too much into one result, obviously, but it, it really just provides a great exclamation mark for the, the new Scott Lawrence era, you know, his first year as head coach and like really marking the change that we've seen in the squad and like getting back to playing to our potential and, and achieving things. Yeah, you're right. You bring up a good point. You know, one, it, we got to mention that, you know, Spain were, were, was missing some other top players, maybe I think in Prodi do or top so 14, but you know, so were we. Yeah, exactly. We didn't have our, we didn't have, you know, AJ McGinty or, you know, Greg Peterson and some of our other internationals that like, you know, that, that, that so were we. Exactly. Um, now you bring up a good point, right? About Scott Lawrence, right? He's still the interim head coach. He's had what? Six. Sorry. Somehow. <laughs> Somehow. Right, yeah. I mean, I, going into 2024, we're going to talk about this in a second, but if you look at Scott Lawrence so far, so he's had five official test matches in six games total, the six being that exhibition match against Toulouse that the Men's Eagles did win, um, by the way, and that was a yeah. fun uh, encounter. But if you look quickly, right, three wins, two losses, right? We'll go through this real quickly. You know, so the first one obviously was the, that Rugby World Cup tune-up match against Romania. They beat Romania 31 to 17. The next match was against Portugal. Definitely a disappointing performance there. They got dropped by Portugal 46 to 20. Again, a team that, you know, is, is, is in the neighborhood, right? Portugal, Spain, the U.S. in terms of world rugby rankings. But a team that, <clears throat> you know, we, the men's Eagles, should be competitive and, and beat. Game got away from us. That next match was against Georgia, 22 to 7. You look at the scoreline and you think, oh, you know, they were close. You know, Georgia, certainly the top tier of tier two, would you say? Um, certainly. Yeah. Strong pack, right? Like we know how Georgia, Georgia plays an interesting game. But the next two matches after that, right? So obviously USA beat Brazil 48 to 3, as they should have, right? Um, and then a 42-12 win over Spain. If you add in that Toulouse match, right? Scott Lawrence is, is four and two. So AKP, let me ask you a question, right? Say USA, the men's Eagles lost to Spain. The next question then is, you know, going into 2024, do you think USA rugby should remove the interim tag from head coach Scott Lawrence, right? And does that question change on if they had lost to Spain? And then to add one more variable to this, USA Rugby's looking for a new CEO. If you're the CEO, do you expect that person to have some say on who the head coach is for the men's eagle or not? So anyway, 2024, we're going into 2024. Should USA Rugby remove the interim tag from head coach Scott Lewis? I think the answer to that is just obviously, absolutely. And I think you see every everyone agrees that it's and it's you ask if it would have changed if they'd lost to Spain. I don't think it would have. I mean, if they've been absolutely destroyed by Spain, maybe, but 
the team has just seen such a turnaround under him, like in just in terms of feeling and in terms of culture and all those things like, you know, win or lose, that will be important going forward. I mean, you have to, you have to be able to get your team to win as, as a head coach, but you know, it just looks so different. The amount of fan optimism around the team, the amount of positive conversations, the amount of hope going on in the, the USA, the Eagles sphere right now is, is, is huge. And, you know, after sort of five years of really going in the wrong direction since that peak in 2018 and just things getting, getting worse and getting, you know, degrading over time. And like, finally, we feel like we're going in the right direction. If you don't take advantage of that, then, and, and if they can't see that he's, he's clearly the right person for the, the situation, I would be, I would be shocked. It would be a travesty, not quite on the same level as Canada keeping uh, Kingsley Jones, but but getting pretty close in terms of just, it would be a stupid move to let him go at this point. Yeah, because- And maybe maybe in the future, you have to let him go. Maybe he doesn't stick around forever. Maybe, you know- he does this, and then it turns out it was kind of a flash in the pan. But you've got to you've got to take the chance on him at this point. He's proven that he's worth the worth the shot. Yeah, I tried to ask the question on Twitter, like, what are, what are, what are the what's the argument against you know uh, you know looking elsewhere? Right, give me the argument for saying, hey, we actually we need to look elsewhere for a different head coach. And I didn't quite get any answers on it, which I think leads to believe that I think for the most part, I would say fans of USA Rugby and Men's Eagle are extremely supportive of Scott Lawrence and want him to be the head coach through this 2027 Rugby World Cup cycle because I think he's earned it. I think he, he knows enough about the pathways here in the U.S., you know, how expansive this country is, where to look, you know, and he's got, you know, he seems to be, you know, pretty – he brings that kind of fun philosophical intellectual argument or, or his data and how to look at things that um, I'm not articulating very well, but there, there's, there's an interesting side to him that I think – um, maybe hasn't been brought into the U.S. rugby program in the past. That um, give the guy a shot. I mean, <laughs> give him one shot. Let's see. You know. So, but AKP, I, I did want to spin this back to you here in a, in a second as we look into 2024 and really just kind of the state of the squad and particularly the influence that Oglory DC players have on the program. Talk a little bit about. Um, how things are looking for the old glory DC players in the men's Eagles kind of overall training squad going into 2024. Yeah. Well, it's, it's an interesting thing. I was thinking about the, the number of old glory players who've played for the Eagles who are currently injured. You got Jamma chicken and Corey Daniel all got injured during the MLR season. So, so they've been being out. Colin Gross, actually, apparently the reason that he didn't end up debuting for the U.S. is he got injured in camp, and that's why he's not been in the the picture recently. So he'll presumably get back in the picture when he's when he's fit again. Iscaro looked injured against the Bra- in the Brazil match. He, he got a lot of attention from the medics and then didn't appear against Spain. And so actually, that's that's six players from Old Glory who could potentially be in future. Eagles lineups when they get healthy. 
which if they're all in the same lineup together, they could make up over a over a quarter of the Eagles. Wow. Match day twenty three. Old Glory players alone could make up over a quarter of the match day 23, which would be pretty cool. I mean, that's relying on all of them getting healthy and staying mm-hmm. healthy at the same time. It's relying on Chicken refinding his, his form from from 21, 21 and early 2022 when he was really popping. And then, you know, it relies on Colin Gross actually getting into the squad and um, all of that stuff. But, yeah, yeah. and it relies on I, – I was counting – widener in that that group as well so you know it, it assumes that he is is as promising as he seems and gets into the usa squad but it could be interesting all glory definitely could have an effect on the uh the Eagles squad going forward yeah and, and let's not forget potentially uh maybe even alex or more right like i think there's the you know he's he potentially has a shot i think he says he wants to get eligible for the men's Eagles. So there's that. And, and, um, Tommaso Boney, you know, um, Oh yeah. I forgot. We, for- He's trying to <laughs> we, we forgot about, how can we forget about Tommaso? Sorry. It's a little out there, Tommaso. Um, you know, so seven, eight. Yeah. <laughs> you could potentially have a lot of that squad be just old glory players. Awesome. You know, how funny that would be men's Eagles versus Canada and essentially all glory DC versus the New England Free Jacks, even though both MLR clubs reside in the US. But anyway, <laughs> you know, the, we're gonna have to bust Phil Harris up on that uh, when we talk to him next. But um, yeah, it's exciting, really. I mean, I think optimism, we talked about it a little bit last week, there's optimism going into to 2024, which you know, I think is a good segue here, AKP. I think we're gonna do things a little bit different for our closing segment here. Normally I, um, I surprise you with a question that you're not prepared for and you always knock it out of the park each time but this time since we are in thanksgiving week the theme here is three things that are we are each thankful for this year in particularly in rugby and we'll go back and forth and we've got three and all lead us off so number one what i'm thankful for is ogdc is going to be playing in a different venue in 2024 and i think we're all pretty hyped and excited for the fact that Ogilvy DC will be out at the Maryland Soccer Soccer Plex, the stadium, the facility is far better set up for rugby. Other rugby competitions have been played there before. CRC, yes, I get it. Distance wise, it's still about the same as going out to Leesburg, but I think I think it'd be easier to get to, particularly for folks who are metro bound. You need we're going to take the metro and then it's an easier uber ride but you know you can still get folks from northern virginia you get the montgomery county crew you get the folks coming out of dc i think it's just going to be set up better there's going to be tailgating so you can have a, a drink in the parking lot there's going to be some better food options the stadium is set up right i think there's a lot to be excited for and then i'm extremely thankful for i can't wait to get out there and watch old glory dc play at the maryland soccer plex akp to you well, that was a, a really one, good one. I'm thankful for um, Old Glory's wonderful playoff run this past season. I mean, after after several years of of not quite getting there, being stifled by COVID, and then you know struggling on the field, you know, finally a great season from Old Glory DC, an amazing playoff run, 
really fun traveling with the team for those going to New York and to, to Boston and winning a playoff game. And that's, uh, yeah, that was a, a wonderful time. And I'm very thankful for that experience. And let it be, let it be known that it coincided with the birth of, of Glorious Rugby Podcast. You know, that's I mean, true. Like, yeah. You know, are we the catalyst that made it happen? Of course not. Of course not. But if we weren't around, would they have made the playoffs? Dear listeners, that's for you to decide. But AKP, extremely grateful and thankful for such an awesome season and a postseason playoff run and more to come in 2024, which is a great segue from my second thing. I'm thankful for that there's a beginning of something special happening in Old Glory, D.C. for 2024. And I'll list a couple of things. Yes, we lost the head coach, but we've got a new one in, in, in Simon Cross. <laughs> we have announced, Oglory DC has announced a number of big signings, right? Jason Robertson is coming back, which is awesome. Alex Mueller, Damian Hoyland, William Talataina is coming back. Like a number of, we've got new players coming in. Logan Widener is coming back. We've got the new venue that I already talked about. We've got some new ownership coming into the mix, right? Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire, the bass guitarist. Like, how cool is that? There's excitement in Washington around rugby. I think there's a beginning of something special happening here in 2024. Does that mean a deep playoff run? Well, we'll see. But I'm extremely excited, and I think we're building upon what we did in 2023 that I'm extremely thankful that we're going to have a lot of fun this season in 2024 back to you AKP I'm going to take it nationwide now and and say that I'm really glad that Scott Lawrence was appointed as USA head coach even in the interim I think it a rare moment of USA rugby doing something clearly right doing what everyone was thinking they should do and you know, hopefully they take the interim tag off next year, and that's something to be thankful for next year. But even just what he's accomplished in in his short time as head coach has has really transformed the men's Eagles, and I think that's something to be thankful for. I agree, and I'm going to piggyback off that in terms of optimism in 2024 for USA Rugby. I know maybe overusing that word, but if you look at the men's Eagles program. Closed out with some good wins against Brazil and Spain. Scott Lawrence seemingly has the men's Eagles shape in good shape going into to 2024. I think there's going to be something maybe like 13 matches for the men's Eagles in 2024, including this new, this rebranded Pacific Nations Cup or Japan and Samoa Tonga or whomever, Canada. You know, we're playing all those Fiji potentially, right? So I think that's all very well um, and exciting. And then, you know, let's include the women's Eagles in that. Yeah, I think they've, They've had some, um, maybe they've lost a little bit. You know, they were as high as fourth a, a couple of years ago, but they've got a new full-time head coach now. They've got more matches coming on to the schedule with the WXV. So I think there's, there's, there's got to be, you know, if you're, if you're a fan of the Women's Eagles and we are on this podcast, there's optimism with that side because we see the talent. We know how dedicated the players are. Women's, you know, the women's premiership rugby is now getting more, you know, broadcast streaming opportunities for U.S. fans to watch it here with the Rugby Network. We've got a lot of women's Eagles over there. 
you know, I think there's an exciting stuff happening. Premier 15s are reaching out. They're trying to get more sponsorship dollars. I think that's only a matter of time if you look what's going on with the NWSL, right? So I think there's there's optimism. Maybe that's the operative word for USA Rugby in 2024. Looking for a new CEO. I hope whomever he or she is, they really take the reins here because, uh, you know, Rugby World Cup, we're hosting 2031 and 33. Really important. <laughs> Got to have a good good showing for both sides, but I'm feeling optimistic about USA rugby going into 2024. AKP over to you. Yeah, I guess I'll finish it off with the, uh, being thankful for the rugby world cup being such a, such a good event. And especially for tier two rugby for the less, the less heralded rugby nations. I felt like it was, was a, great event it opened i felt like it opened a lot of fans eyes to the the potential of teams like portugal georgia you know teams that are not not thought of in the the same breath as the the top tier rugby nations but really deserve a shot to compete with them and to be recognized on the world stage and to have the same opportunities and you know we'll see if world rugby actually pays any attention to that but i'm glad that i thought it was a great event and i'm, I'm glad it happened absolutely love it so a lot to be thankful for 2023 and it seems like an end of the like year episode but it's not we'll, we'll have another yeah. one before the end of the year where we'll talk about some of that stuff and akp i don't know if you noticed but uh, i think we just clicked over 40 i think we're maybe 41 episodes so we're approaching 50 episodes here on the glorious rugby podcast um, so that's exciting. Thankful that we kicked this off and looking forward to many f- more episodes coming at you weekly. I think that's what we've been trying to do. I think we maybe only missed one week out of all of this, which is, which is wild, but uh, the journey is only just beginning. Excited for what remains. Everyone who's listening, I hope you have a great time, a great Thanksgiving with family and friends. If you're going to have your annual tackle football game i suggest maybe you try and get the rugby ball out throw it around get a little touch game in to get everyone involved just throwing it out there but for my co-host alistair kirsch i am john fitzpatrick you've been listening to another episode of the glorious rugby podcast we'll catch you same place same time next week